Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and uh, this series of talks is going to be focusing on the mesenteric vasculature. I'm specifically going to focus on the arterial side of things. And the title was A Guide to Abdominal Pathology, and I've given uh, in, in our vodcast series a couple years back a small talk on part of this area, but I'm going to expand it with new cases and also expand the scope of what we're going to look at. Now, I think one of the things we found, and we published this article a few months back, is that when you look at the mesenteric arterial structures, sometimes you know to look there because the study is done to stage pancreatic cancer, or the study is done in a patient with aortic aneurysm, or the patient is evaluated for ischemic bowel. So you know you're looking at the SMA and celiac, looking at patency, looking for thrombus, looking for any abnormalities. But there are many other times when the clinical uh, history does not provide any information to make you think about looking at these areas. And even if there's good history provided, it might be appendicitis or diverticulitis, uh, it's important to recognize that mesenteric pathology indeed is very common and it's often overlooked and that's particularly because we're looking at axial images. That axial images in fact are very limited in many cases of what they can see. So in this article of unsuspected mesenteric arterial abnormalities, uh, we tried to determine how frequent significant mesenteric arterial abnormalities were identified with 3D using volume rendering and MIP, but were not really seen on the axial images on the official report. Now, we did not worry in this scenario about the possibility of uh, patients having aberrant vessels, you know, replace right hepatic or some anomalous vessels. We did not worry about those because we figured in most situations it's not important, though that would not be true in surgical situations, but we left those cases out. We looked at other cases. So what happened was whenever I read a 3D study and I found significant findings, I put those cases aside. And so we had a significant number of cases. And again, remember these cases were not in patients where the mesenteric vessels were requested to be evaluated or the clinical history would have suggested evaluation. So in this series, the axial and 3D images were equivalent in 24%. Axial partially agree with 3D in another 10%, so that's 14 of 41, which is about a third. But no mesenteric arterial lesion was reported on the regular CTs in 66% of cases. 3D findings were supported by their imaging modality, surgery, clinical findings, or management in about half the cases. And the mesenteric lesions identified led to a change in patient management in 15% of cases. So you can see 15% is not insignificant. That's very high. Plus, in other cases, it provided important information, though it did not necessarily change management. So we concluded that unsuspected mesenteric arterial abnormalities can elude diagnosis when axial CTs alone are interpreted. And in this era of isotropic data, perhaps we said the new standard of care would be to review all CT data in 3D mode to exclude unsuspected vascular abnormalities. And this indeed is where we all are going. Here was another article we wrote that the ability to visualize mesenteric vasculature in real time with 3D and NPR is crucial for looking at complex cases and that this will indeed become a routine method in the future and not a separate process done in select cases. So I think what we're trying to say, and that's pretty clear, is that looking at the axial images is going to put limitations on what you can see regardless how good you are at reading those axial images. So you think about the mesenteric vessels, there's a number of different things we can look at from anatomy to tumor involvement to atherosclerotic disease to some of the syndromes or things that are like syndromes, SNA, SMA syndrome, median arcuate ligament syndrome, and mesenteric aneurysm. So we'll speak about all of these.
Just quickly, let me just comment about protocols. To really get a good look at the mesenteric vessels, you need to have a thin sections. 0.75 millimeter thick sections by 0.5 works ideal. Uh, arterial phase is key, though in most patients we have dual phase imaging. Uh, with arterial phase, typically about a 25 second scan delay. If you're injecting 4 cc's a second, indeed works very nicely. And if you're coming back in venous phase, probably around 60 seconds will work perfect. By being able to get these multiple thin sections, you really have this very nice visualization of the vessels without any of the classic stair-stepping or any type of artifact that might make you uncomfortable making a specific diagnosis. In terms of 3D imaging, we'll use MIP, maximum intensity projection, which works well in laying out the vessels, as in this case, looking at the celiac and SMA, particularly the hepatic. And you could reverse the uh, ramp at that to get a good look at that in this negative display. Or with volume rendering, which truly gives you the best three-dimensional feel. In this case, looking at the SMA and celiac axis. And I'll, also, you can see the left gastric. And I'll simply rotate those images around. So a very big part of what we do is this interactive display. And of course, if you want to be looking at these 3D images of the mesenteric vessels, it's ideally done interactively. Another example, here's hepatic artery. So the ability to look at vasculature, and this is normal anatomy, hepatic artery arising off the patient's celiac axis, nice branching, and uh, we've spoken a bit about looking at these uh, MIP images for being able to determine the presence of neovascularity, looking at for AV shunting, or when we speak about anatomy, again, these 3D maps, nice example of the celiac and SMA having a common trunk. Or this example where the, S, where the SMA is fine, but the splenic and hepatic arteries arise directly off the aorta. It's not an uncommon variation, typically of no great clinical significance unless you're planning surgery. So again, these are things that are easy to see on the CT angiographic maps. And as we play with the data, here we're playing with volume rendering, you can see the branching of the mesenteric arcade. So. Uh, an important thing to recognize is these images need to be done interactively and you need to really be able to pull out all the information these studies provide. Now, in terms of tumor imaging, and I'm not going to spend much time on tumor, we can give many lectures on tumor and we'll come back to that and we've done some of that already, of course. A carcinoid tumor, root of mesentery, mesenteric mass, calcification, desmoplastic reaction in cases branches of the distal SMA. Again, very nicely seen. Or a case like this of inflammatory change, patient with Crohn's disease, thick and small bowel, areas of narrowing, prominent vas erecta, just a very nice visualization, okay? And we can see very nicely the mesenteric disease that's present. And this increased vascularity is consistent with increased disease activity, which means the patients will be treated aggressively. Now the point about looking even at these small end vessels uh, in the 3D map would be this case of a patient with Crohn's disease and suspected small bowel obstruction. Yes, on axial imaging I can see some dilated bowel, and yes, on axial imaging I can see thickening of the patient's ilium, but I will say the amount of information you now have compared to what I'm going to show you is very small. Now in 3D, look at that bowel dilatation. As I create the angiographic maps, look at the increased vascularity of the mesenteric vessels. And now you see the vas erecta, you see the hyperemia of bowel, you see the abnormal bowel enhancement, you see the small feeding vessels, you see all of the information very clearly.
And whether you do use volume rendering or MIP, we use both of them in this scenario, you really get an idea of the extent of the patient's disease, and this patient has active Crohn's disease. There's increased vascularity, there's increased uh, in flow, there's the abnormal loops of bowel, the thickening, the edema, all of these things are very easily defined. But again, you just can't get that information if you're only looking at axial images. So I've made that point. We're thinking about what we need to look at. I'm saying you need to look at volume rendered images and you need to look at MIP. I'll also say that sagittal views are particularly helpful for SMA and celiac, whether it's simply a sagittal MPR or a sagittal type view off the volume rendered or MIP. So that's what we need to do. Well, let's then look at it a little bit more carefully. So let's look at some of the specific applications. So normal anatomy, we've kind of commented on that. I've showed you some examples, and I'll just show you one more to fill in the spot, which is replace the paddock off the SMA. So again, just a very nice example. Uh, easy, of course, on the 3D map. Can be much more difficult unless you're very, very careful on the axial display. Or tumor involvement. The most common tumor I think about for arterial involvement, be it SMA or celiac, is pancreatic cancer. And you can see in this example, there's a mass head of pancreas, which appears to be encasing portions of the celiac, but particularly the hepatic artery. And look how much nicer that is shown on 3D, where you can see the hepatic artery, particularly near the level of the GDA, as well as the proximal GDA and proximal hepatic past that point, both involved by tumor, this tumor encasement seen there. That's classic for in pancreatic cancer, and this patient would indeed be unresectable. And here's just a few more images, just to give you a feel. You can see some collateralization through the GDA. You can see infiltration around the GDA, around the hepatic artery, very nicely showing you the texture of the patient's pancreatic tumor. So again, very, very important, uh, classic, uh, this is the standard of care when you're looking at pancreatic imaging. So there's no great issues, no great problems in that regard. Now, I'll show you a second case, and here's a very large mesenteric mass. And you can go through a whole differential diagnosis from dermoid tumors to uh, small cell tumors to the world's largest pancreatic cancer. But this doesn't look like pancreatic cancer. This looks like uh, the vessels are being squished and they're going through the mass. This is very classic, particularly in the sagittal view for lymphoma. Very nice visualization, tumor infiltration. There's no, uh, no surprise, okay? This is classic for lymphoma, just a very, very nice example. And finally, another case, again, with a good signature would be this patient, mass in the mesentery, desmoplastic reaction, calcifications, encasement of bowel, uh, prior surgery, right lower quadrant. This is classic for what we see with a carcinoid tumor. So you can see the mesenteric vessels can be involved differently, and sometimes how they're involved will tell you the tumor. Desmoplastic reaction for carcinoid, direct invasion proximally for pancreatic cancer, and more infiltration with patency of vessels, but stretching of vessels would be something that we do classically see in lymphoma. Now the next thing we'll talk about is SMA syndrome. For many years, people would argue, does the syndrome really exist? And what you're speaking about is a syndrome where the angle between and the distance between the SMA and aorta is narrowed so that the patient's duodenum and renal vein are compressed. With renal vein compression or the nutcracker syndrome, you get hypertension, potentially hematuria. With the duodenum compressed, you get obstructed duodenum or obstructed stomach, 
gastric outlet obstruction symptoms. It goes by other names. It was initially described in patients in whole body casts, also called Wilkie syndrome. And typically it's seen with weight loss, marked weight loss, 50, 60 pounds. And so we've seen it in patients with anorexia nervosa, of course, total body casting. And the anorexia nervosa is interesting because we've seen it where that diagnosis was not truly suspected because we've seen it in a few male patients. Now, normally the SMA angle to aorta is about 45 degrees. SMA syndrome is under 20. The distance, and commonly 10, SMA to aorta distance is normally about 20 millimeters or so. SMA syndrome is well under 10. A couple examples. Dilated stomach, is it a duodenal ulcer, is it a gastric ulcer? Follow it down, the duodenum is distended. Follow it some more, the duodenum tends to get pinched right where the SMA is. You can see in a coronal view that the dilated bowel sort of stops at where the SMA is crossing. You can see it there. And then we can go again to another coronal, but look at the sagittal. The sagittal is particularly impressive. The SMA and the aorta nearly touch each other. That's classic, here's two more images, classic SMA syndrome. You can see why the patient is having all sorts of problems, right? It's basically obstructing the duodenum. Another example, same thing, stomach's distended, duodenum's distended. We then look more carefully, there's the patient's SMA, and you can see the second portion, the third portion of the duodenum is dilated, and no great surprise on the image on your left that it's being cut off right at the SMA, there's the SMA distance narrowing, the angle's under 10 degrees, and here's a few more views in 3D of that, classic SMA syndrome. Third case, and here's a very recent case from like two days ago, unexplained abdominal pain, not sure what's going on, patient's been worked up forever. Look at the renal vein SMA, look at the distance there, there is no distance. And when you go higher, you can see the duodenum is compressed, and sure enough, when you look at the sagittal views, look at the angle, look at the distance, SMA to aorta. There is almost no distance present. And again, it's not something that you can be fooled on. Uh, it's not the angle of the reconstruction. It's truly how the SMA celiac angle is. And if you're not uh, uh, certain of that, just look very carefully at the reconstructed images. The SMA celiac in these instances tends to be uh, closely related, but there's no change in the celiac in patients with SMA syndrome. So that's just a very nice example of where CT angiography picks up findings unsuspected on the axial imaging. Now the next thing will be mediate arcuate ligament syndrome, and that's an interesting syndrome, And um, but I think we've gone our 15 minutes, so why don't we stop here and let's pick it up next time with the mediate arcuate ligament syndrome. And with that, have a great day.